Good evening, everyone. It is good to be here with you again tonight. Uh, how many of you did some drilling sometime today? Can't see out there. Okay, very good, very good. Um, before I share uh, the message for this evening, I just want to share a little bit about myself. Um, I'm going to share a very little bit. I will be sharing in more detail uh, on Sabbath in one of my workshops. Um, in, in my college years, 1990, between 1990 and 1993, uh, my, my brother, two best friends, myself, we signed an eight-album contract with EMI Records. Um, we were excited because we had formed a hip-hop group and it was our dream to become uh, superstars. So we signed this eight-album, $800,000 contract with EMI Records and uh, dropped out of school. Totally excited. If you had seen me 11, 12 years ago, dreadlocks, um, pants sagging. My code name was Yoda. <laughs> yes, from Star Wars. My brother's code name, Jedi. You could tell what we were into. And uh, I call myself Yoda because I wanted to have the appearance of wisdom. Uh, I had not, I was not brought up. Uh, in any particular religion, so I'd never heard of the term Seventh-day Adventist until it was introduced to us while we were recording our first album. Um, and halfway through that album, uh, so my friends and I were hanging out smoking and drinking. Um, we met a, a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, who was smoking and drinking with us. We didn't know he was a Seventh-day Adventist. We didn't know what a Seventh-day Adventist was. But he noticed that in our lyrics, we would talk about the book of Revelation, had no idea what we were talking about, but he noticed that we had an interest in the Bible. And so one night as we were all hanging out, smoking and drinking, he asked us, what day do we think the Sabbath is on? That question has me here today. <laughs> um, myself and probably there was maybe about 20 or so people uh, that had um, left school to, you know, live the party life with us, and almost all of us got baptized into the church, Amen. including my younger brother, who is now pastoring uh, in Atlanta. And... Um, Ever since I was introduced uh, to this message, um, it has held a very special place in my heart. Uh, I was sharing with uh, someone just a couple days ago that when we first walk in, walked into an Adventist church, um, you know, 20 of us, dreadlocks, baggy pants, chewing gum, Do you get the picture? <laughs> 20 dreadlocked, chewing gum, jewelry wearing, baggy pants guys walking into a Seventh-day Adventist church. We sat down and everything the pastor said, God is love. We were like, did you hear that? This is the deepest thing we have ever heard. <laughs> he would say, remember to pay your tithe. Oh, tithe. I can't wait to go tell the world. And everybody else was sitting around us like. And we were like, didn't they just hear him say that Jesus is God? What is the matter with them? 
And so that's kind of continued on to some extent. <laughs> you know, sometimes I get excited and I'm like, you know, I remember coming into the church and I thought, you know, I had learned so much in like two months. I was convinced that anyone that was in a church for like three years and above, I just wanted to fall at their feet and worship. Like, tell me everything you know. And uh, it seemed to be, beloved, that as I came in, I, I felt that I had found treasure that other people just were kind of kicking to the side. And so, uh, excuse my excitement, because I'm still excited. Um, it hasn't worn off. I haven't gotten used to it, and I don't think I will ever get used to it. I want to try to instill that, that passion, that, that joy, that love of the treasure that many of you have been privileged to grow up in. I wish I was that privileged. I wouldn't have all the, the, the baggage that I have to deal with being out in the world and being polluted by Satan. You, those of you who have had the privilege, I, I beg of you, don't treat the precious pearl like garbage. Amen? Amen? And since I've come into this church, of a message has, been, has become the center of my preaching. Ellen White calls it the loud cry. The loud cry. I want you to pray with me as we begin in the book of Revelation chapter 18. I'd like for you to bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I ask this morning... This after this, <laughs> I ask tonight, Lord, help me, that you would please <clears throat> guide us deeper into your word. Tonight, Lord, as we talk about the oil crisis again, as we talk about the subject of striking oil, Lord, take us deep that our hearts may be filled. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 18, verse 1, the Bible tells us here, and after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. We are told in the final days that God's, that this planet will be enlightened with glory, will be enlightened. What does that word mean? People will become illumined, as it were, about the character of God. God's people are to lighten the earth with his glory, which means if they are to lighten the earth, they must have lamps. Well, the Bible tells us where that glory is. What is that glory with which the earth is to be lightened? Where is it found? The answer is 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. And I'm going to try to move as quickly as I can tonight, so I may not give you time to turn in your Bibles, but I encourage you to turn anyway. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6, the Bible says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Jesus Christ. So where is the glory of God found, everyone? In the face of Jesus Christ. Notice this then, it is the glory that is found in the face of Jesus Christ that is to lighten the entire world. The face of Jesus is to be revealed to the world. And now I want you to notice with me Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. Because, beloved, we must understand that we must get that glory. We are the ones. Jesus will not come down himself. He wants to manifest his glory through who? Through us. So that leads us, beloved, to the, to the question, if he is to reveal the glory of his face through us, then what on us needs to be lighted up? Our faces. Did you catch that? How many of you want shiny faces? All right, notice with me, how do we get shiny faces? The Bible tells us, well, let's look, look, notice Exodus chapter 33. 
Exodus 33, and let's take a look at verse 9. Exodus chapter 33, verse 9, the Bible says here, And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Notice with me again, verse 10, and, it came, and all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. The Bible tells us here that Moses spoke with God in the what? God descended in a what? cloud and Moses spoke with God in the cloud. In fact, if you notice with me Exodus chapter 34, Exodus chapter 34 and notice verse 5. Exodus 34 verse 5, the Bible tells us here, and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed what? The name of the Lord. Moses had been called up numerous times. Moses had been invited to speak with God. How? Face to what? Face where? In the cloud. Now, how many of you remember what the cloud represents? The cloud is the meeting place. Did you catch that? The cloud is the place where we are called to commune with God. Remember yesterday we learned that Satan said, I will exalt myself above the cloud. I don't need a, a, a personal uh, a relationship with Christ. I don't need a face-to-face -face connection with God. I don't need to talk to God. Remember, we also learned that the high priest could not enter into the tabernacle except he had incense rep representing what? prayer so that cloud beloved is the meeting place and in fact I want you to notice with me verse 29 it came to pass when Moses came down from the mount with the two tables of testimony in Moses hand when he came down from the mount that Moses knew not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him how many of you want shiny faces Beloved, the place for us to get that lamp, that light shining from our faces, to go out there and enlighten the world, it is in communication with God. It is, it is in the cloud. Moses spoke face to face. His face lighted up. And we understand here that unless the people of God learn to enter into the secret place of the Most High, the cloud, the cloud as it were, their faces will not what? Shine in those final days. You will notice uh, early writings, page 278, speaking about the last days. Listen to what Ellen White says. Servants of God, endowed with power from on high, with their faces, what? Lighted up and shining with holy consecration, went forth to proclaim the message from heaven. Beloved, here is the point, that the Spirit of God must move as it moved upon Moses' face, the Spirit of God must move upon what? Our faces. The Bible says by beholding, we become changed. Where do we behold the face of Jesus? It's in the cloud. It's in our prayer time. And by the way, this is why the devil does not want you to drill. Are you getting the picture? The devil knows that if we drill, if we pray, if our prayer life really goes where it should go, that there in the cloud we will see, we will speak to Jesus Christ as it were, face to face. We will behold him and by beholding we become what? change now listen to this when God came uh, and manifested himself in the cloud when Jesus manifested himself in the cloud to Israel there was a reason why what was the purpose of the cloud in Israel it led the children of Israel out of where 
Egypt into the promised land. The cloud was given to them to say, listen, I will direct you. I will lead you as long as you stay personally what? Connected with me. That's the message of the cloud. How many of you understand that? The cloud was given to us for us to follow. Listen. You know, I did a graduation the other day. And you know, at graduation, you always hear, you know, uh, uh, follow your dreams, follow your heart. I say no. Follow the cloud. Follow the cloud because the cloud will never steer you incorrectly. So God says, I want you to follow me. And by the way, now you understand, you know, when Jesus was uh, in the wilderness, who led him there? It was the Spirit. You see, Jesus was following the Spirit, and all his life he was led by the cloud, by the Spirit. That's what it means, beloved, to have a Spirit-led life. You're following the cloud. We get in trouble whenever we decide we're going to walk in a different direction than the cloud is going. So when Jesus comes from heaven on a cloud, (laughs) why do you think he comes with a cloud? Lord, have mercy. He's coming for those who are used to following the cloud on earth. You see, it's that cloud that when it comes, those who are used to following the cloud, those who are used to face-to-face communication with him will say, oh, the cloud, we've been following this cloud all our time on earth. It's no problem for them to follow the cloud up to the heavenly promised land. Are you following The cloud. Are you having personal face-to-face communication with Christ? You understand the cloud is the meeting place. That's why 1 Thessalonians tells us that we shall meet the Lord. Where? In the air. In, in, In a what? In the clouds. Do you catch that? We shall meet the Lord in the cloud. Why will we meet the Lord in a cloud? Because we've been used to what? Meeting him in the cloud on earth. We've been used to talking to him. We've been drilling and going deeper and deeper. When Jesus comes again, he comes with a cloud because he says this cloud represents those who have been personally connected with me, those who have drilled and drilled deep. That's why the devil has put a ban on drilling. (laughs) The devil doesn't want you to drill. He's put a ban and we have allowed that ban to stop us from drilling. So he says, no, you can't drill. You've got to study. No, you can't drill. You've got to um, sleep. No, you can't drill. You got a party you have to go to. No, you can't drill. You have TV you need to watch. He's put a ban on drilling because he realizes what drilling will do. He does not want the Spirit of God to move upon our faces. What is the theme of the meeting of this this weekend? Regenerate. The devil doesn't want you to drill because he doesn't want you to get regenerated. You see, oil, the oil of the Spirit is renewable. Get it. It's renewable energy. Can anybody use renewable energy? God says, I will renew you day by day. I will grant you power day by day. I will never cause you to get tired or worn out if you only drill deep, if you only meet with me face to face. 
And so the devil puts this ban because he doesn't want the Spirit of God to move upon our face. Why? Because if the Spirit of God moves upon our face, then we become new creations. Anybody interested in becoming a new creation? Anybody interested in having the Spirit of God move upon you? Listen, let me tell you what the devil fears. You see, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man uh, be in Christ, he is what? A new creature or a new creation. He is regenerated. And when I think about that term, beloved, I understand this is what the devil fears because you see, listen, before, you, before Christ comes to you, you know what form you're in, you are in? You are without form void, and you're in darkness. Amen? And, and you're empty. You're, you're living life empty, much like it was when this world was created. You're living empty lives. You can't find mission. You can't find purpose. You know, you may even be in church and nothing's going on with you. You're just empty. The devil says we can't have them drill because if he drills, what's going to happen is that the Spirit of God is going to move upon the face. Can I give you some time for that one? The Spirit of God is going to move upon the face of the waters. What do waters represent, everyone? Peoples, nations, multitudes. The devil doesn't want the Spirit of God moving upon the face because when the Spirit of God moves upon the face, the next thing that happens is God says, let there be oil, lamp. Spirit of God moves upon us, moves upon our face, and God says, now I've given you light. Let your light shine. You see, he's going to take us through this recreation process, which the devil doesn't want us to, to, to go through. In fact, on day number two, we know that the Bible says the waters were separated from the waters. <laughs> you see, beloved, when you become regenerate, you can no longer hang out with the same crowd you used to hang out with. The waters separate from the waters. Amen? That's the sign of a regenerate person. You can no longer go the places you used to go and do the things you used to do. The waters separate from the waters. The Bible says on day three, dry land appeared and fruit began to spring forth from the ground. <laughs> oh, beloved, listen, let me tell you, when you become regenerated, guess what happens? You begin to bear fruit unto righteousness in your life. The devil doesn't want you to drill because if you do that, these things are going to happen. In fact, day number four says that there were lights that were now put up in the sky to guide a greater light and a lesser light. Beloved, when you become regenerate, a new light comes into your life. That light is Jesus Christ. Amen. In fact, the Bible says thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my you now have new direction not only beloved we are blessed to be seventh-day adventists because not only do we now have the greater light but we also have <sighs> don't shun the lesser light amen God gives us the lesser light. And then on day number five, listen, the Bible says that God created the what? The fish. Yeah, it's true. When you are armed with the word of God, Jesus says, now follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. The devil doesn't want you to drill. Why? Beloved, if you're not fishing for men, you're stuck back there someday, you know. You know, what day are you in anyway? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? What day of creation am I in? Am I before Jesus, the Spirit of God, moved upon the face of the... Ooh, what day are you in? I can guarantee you that most of us are not in day five. We're not being fishers of men. 
Beloved, on day six, God created man, but he also created beasts. And beloved, I believe the time is coming where God is going to recreate us totally in his image and give us dominion over the beastly natures of our own hearts. How many of you are looking forward to that day? And then, beloved, comes day number seven. Ooh, rest. Rest. How many of you are looking forward to that rest? God, Satan, does not want us to drill because he fears that we might be recreated. And so, beloved, we have to understand that it is imperative for us to lift the self and satanic imposed ban on drilling. So I'm going to make a real quick appeal. The sermon's not over. How many of you are now deciding that you will lift the self-imposed ban on drilling? You see your hand. I'm going to lift that back. Satan will no longer prohibit me from drilling. I'm going to drill. I'm not going to let anything get in the way. Now, when we make that decision, where do we drill? What did we learn yesterday? We drilled where? We drill at the cross. We drill where that olive was bruised for us. You remember that from yesterday? We drill from Gethsemane to the cross. Listen, interesting statement Ellen White says here. In fact, do you know the Bible tells us, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, it says that the preaching of the cross is to them that, uh, that perish foolishness, but to us, us which believe it is the power of God. And then Paul says in Galatians 6 14, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Christ that's where the power and the glory of Revelation 18 are it is at the cross it is the center point that is where we drill to strike oil how many of you are interested in striking oil listen to what the Bible listen to what LOI tells us here it would be well for us how many of you know this quote to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. What do you do when you spend a thoughtful hour meditating upon the life of Christ? What are you doing? You're drilling. You're drilling. That's where we ought to be drilling, beloved. We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene. Say that word with me. Let the grasp each scene especially the closing ones as we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us our confidence in him will be more constant our love will be more quickened and we shall be more deeply imbued with his spirit if we will be saved at last we must learn the lesson of penitence and humiliation at the foot of the cross desire of ages page 83 and then she closes by beholding we shall be changed from glory to glory so we're told there that we should allow the imagination to grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. Now, I want to focus on that word imagination for a minute. What does imagination mean? It means image. It means to what? To see. Not only does it mean to see, it means to believe. If I say, listen, just imagine that your angels are with you right now. What am I saying? Just what? Just believe. You see, imagination, let me use this word before it, godly imagination is really belief. How many of you caught that? Many of you didn't raise your hands. <laughs> If I say, listen now, the word of God says, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, so I want you to imagine that to be true, what am I saying? I want you to believe it. I want you to have faith. You see, there's a reason, beloved, why the devil attacks imagination. You see, Hollywood was designed to grip your imagination. Because the devil knows that if you begin to focus your imagination on godly things, that some powerful things are going to take place. 
That's why the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. The word for mind in the margin in your King James Version Bible is the word imagination. So what it says is that will keep him in perfect peace whose imagination is stayed on thee. So Ellen White says, focus your imagination on the life of Christ. Watch spiritual television in your prayer time. Now, some of you go, how can I pray for more than five minutes, Pastor? How many of you can watch TV for two hours and not blink? <laughs> and yet, the moment we go down to pray, what happens? We go down to pray, and next thing we remember is that we're waking up. Spend an hour imagining the life of Christ from the manger to the cross. Read your Bible, read Desire of Ages, and then go in your imagination and say, Holy Spirit, show me, teach me. By the way, why did the flood come upon the earth? The Bible says because the imaginations of men's hearts were only what? Evil continually. You see, beloved, as we begin to look at the life of Christ from the manger to the cross and watch that thing every day, every day, the Holy Spirit begins to zoom in on particular scenes and begins to show us things that we would not have seen had we not focused on drilling deeper. How many of you get the picture? He begins to teach us things, beloved. We are told in the book of Numbers that when the people sinned against Moses, that Moses told them, or rather sinned against God, God told Moses, Moses, build a brazen serpent and lift that serpent upon a pole, and when they looked at the serpent, they would what? Live. You know the term goes, look and what? Live. Beloved, if the imagination is also equated with the eye of faith, which is what Ellen White does, she uses interchangeably those terms, then it is with the eye of faith that we learn to look deeper into the life of Christ, which will eventually cause us to see the face of Christ, which will cause our faces to shine with his glory. How many of you get it? Beloved, it's time to use the eye of faith and stop letting video games and movies rob us of what God gave us to use to his glory. So now I, I'm, I'm going to look at the life of Christ. I want to focus. I want to drill there. And the Bible says by beholding, we become changed. What do I need to change about me? I need my character to change. Amen? So what do I need to do if I want my character to change? I need to look at his what? Character. What is character made up of? Somebody tell me. Two things. Thoughts and what? And feelings. So, beloved, it's simple then. God is simply trying to show us, listen, when you pray, I want you to watch the life of Christ from the manger to the cross. And I want you to pray, Father, show me. What was Jesus thinking and what was he feeling when he was on the cross. And when the Spirit of God begins to reveal those things to you, I have a word I like to call it download. Can you say that word with me? Download. When you see that thought, that feeling, Father, download that thought where? You see, by beholding, by focusing upon that thought, when the, when the Spirit of God tells you that Jesus loved those people so much that he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, God wants you to download that feeling so that it becomes your own feeling. How many of you get the picture? By beholding, we become what? Changed. And so, beloved, we learn to drill deeper and deeper. And, beloved, we're going to drill deep tonight. Is that okay? Amen. I want to share, share with you just a few uh, uh, things about, about Jesus on the cross that is going to take us to a depth that we need to get to in order to be prepared for the final events. Notice with me Isaiah 53, verse 5. 
Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. The Bible tells us when Jesus came upon this earth, this earth, that he came to deliver them that were bruised, that were wounded, and I want you to notice how he would do it. Isaiah 53, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5, the Bible says here, but he was what? Wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are what? Healed. With his stripes we are healed. Here's a question, beloved. Who is it that bruised Jesus? Who bruised Jesus? Hearing muffled answers. Who bruised Jesus? We did. So you say. Let me show you who bruised Jesus. Notice with me verse 10. Yet it pleased who? The Lord. To what? To bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Lover, listen. It is the Father who bruised the son. Now, oh, listen, Satan also bruised Jesus, but it's not, that's not the bruise that heals us. We don't thank Satan for bruising Jesus. Oh, thank you, Satan, because now by his bruise we are healed. No, 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 no. It is God's bruise to Jesus that we ought to be focusing on. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Listen, what was God's, how is it that God bruised Jesus? Let me share with you again, Zechariah chapter 13, incredible. This is beautiful, beloved. What a powerful lesson for us. Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 13. And I want you to notice verse 6 and 7. Rather, verse 7, God here is speaking prophetically to his son, and he says, Awake, O what? Sword against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow. Why would God say, Awake, O sword? Let me ask you something. What is the sword of God? What is the sword? It is the it is the Word of God. Listen, it is the Word of God that caused Jesus to be bruised. I don't know if you caught that just now. Um, let me share it with you this way. Uh, Philippians 2 verse 5 through 8 tells us this. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through 8 the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto what? Death, even the death of the cross. How did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? Because he was obedient he was obedient to the what is this the sword it is the sword of God listen because God spoke it Jesus said I will obey it even if it causes me to die Remember when uh, uh, they tried to stop the, the soldiers from getting Jesus? And Jesus said, stop. Don't you know I can call 12 legions of angels? But how then shall the what? Scriptures be fulfilled. In other words, Jesus was saying, look, I am the, the, when you take up the word of God, know that the word of God is going to bruise you. You didn't. When you take up the word of God, understand that this thing is going to call you to be, cause you to be wounded, mortally wounded. There's a reason why you and I don't want to pick up the sword. There's a reason why many of you, when an appeal is made, you know, man, if I pick up that sword, 
if I really follow this word, I'm going to be bruised. Beloved, remember that God calls us to be faithful unto, unto death. You see, it is in our willingness to die to self because Jesus set the example that we are healed. How many of you caught that? It is our willingness to be obedient to God even unto death. So when I behold the character of Christ in my prayer time and I'm watching him being obedient to the word of God, not diverting at all from the word of God, taking the sword to his hand and, and never turning back and it leading him on. Jesus said, I will, I will be obedient to God even if it kills me. Beloved, that's the kind of oil that we need. To make it through the last days. That's the kind of oil that the devil doesn't want us to drill too deep. That's why he wants us to stay on the surface because he knows that if we stay on the surface, getting that, uh, you know, 87 instead of 93. Okay, you missed that one. Listen, beloved, it is in faithfulness to the word of God, Jesus said he was obedient. He gave his face to those who, sm who, who spit in it and he did not hide his face from them. He was obedient to the word of God. Are you willing? Huh. Are you willing to be obedient unto death? You can't unless you strike oil. You can't unless you drill deep. That's why the Bible tells us that it was through death that he defeated the devil. Did you catch that? How many of you want to defeat the devil in your life? Guess what's the only way to defeat him? Through death. And how do we die? By picking up the word of God. God says, awake, O sword, not only, against, not only towards Jesus, but he says, awake, O sword, against all of you in this room tonight because he wants you to be slain by the word of God. Beloved, when we follow the word of God, it will cause self to die. But we have to go deeper. Because, beloved, there is something about those wounds. In fact, in Habakkuk 3, verse 4, the Bible tells us that in the hands and in the side of Jesus, there was the hiding of his power. Uh, the, the translation says there his light shone bright or there was bright beams coming out of his hands. Beloved, if we want the beams coming out of us, if we want to truly be transformed and look just like Jesus, guess what's going to form in us? We only see the pretty picture of Jesus. How many of you want to look just like Jesus? Raise your hand. You want to be just like Jesus. You know what that means? Jesus comes with wounds. <laughs> you forgot about that part, huh? <laughs> we, we want the glory, so we think, but not the wounds. We want the easy road. Jesus said, that's why he said, pick up your cross and follow me. Listen, when you think about, oh, I'm bearing the cross. Beloved, the cross is not the hard part. <laughs> Jesus is trying to be gentle with us. Pick up your cross and follow me. Okay. Oh, it's so heavy. And we think we're doing something great and marvelous. And then when we learn that we have to lay down and open our hands, then we go, oh, wait a minute. I didn't know that part was in there. <laughs> I just thought you wanted us to, to carry the cross for a little while. Beloved, the wounds must form in our hands and in our feet and in our side and in our brows. And the devil has a counterfeit that he calls the stigmata. Oh, man. Don't you understand? The devil counterfeits everything that is spiritual. He tries to make it literal. 
When Paul said, I bear about the dying of Christ in my body, what he was saying when he said, I, have, I bear about the marks of Christ in my body, he was not talking about a stigmata. He was saying, I bear the wounds of Christ. I bear the death of Christ in me. I die daily. Beloved, are we really drilling? as deep as we ought to. It is by his wounds that we are healed, not our wounds. And our problem is that we are often looking at our wounds the way people have hurt us instead of looking at the wounds of Jesus. Beloved, when we look at the wounds of Jesus and see what he went through for us, our wounds begin to look pretty small. As we focus upon his wounds, something will begin to change, to transform in those five wise virgins. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Peter, arm yourselves with this mind. He that has suffered in the flesh. Just as Jesus suffered in the flesh, we are to arm ourselves with this mind. And you know what our problem is? We are unarmed and dangerous. We don't have the mind of Christ, and that makes us dangerous Christians, dangerous to one another, dangerous to ourselves. Jesus wants us to drill deeper, but we must go even deeper than that, beloved, because we must also look not only at the wounds of Christ, we must behold the face of Christ. Now, let me tell you something about the face. Did you know that the face is the ultimate expression of one's character? When you're happy, it shows where? When you're sad, when you're angry, the face is the full, total expression of one's personality, one's character. And that's why, beloved, one cannot look in the face of God because in the face of God is his full glory. That's why, you remember Moses had to put a veil on his face? For you and I to look in the face of God, we would die. God sends Jesus and he says, look in Jesus' face and when you look in his face, you'll see my glory. How many of you want the glory of God in your face? Raise your hands nice and high. I'm about to ask you that question again in a moment. You want the glory of God in your face, okay? What is the glory of God? Listen, just before Jesus was about to go into his trial, he said this, Now God, glorify me with the glory that was ours before the world began. When Judas went out to betray him, he said, Now is come the hour that the Son of Man shall be glorified. Where was that glory to be found? In his what? In his face. So listen now, how many of you want the glory of God in, in your face? Let me tell you what the glory of God was. When they began to spit in the face of Jesus, huh? when they began to, the Bible says his visage or his face was so marred that it could not be discerned. You want to talk about the glory of God? When they began to spit in his face and pull his beard, and he says in Isaiah 50 verse 6, I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. You want to talk about the glory of God? Let me tell you about the character of God. When they spit in the face of Jesus, they were spitting in the face of God. And God said in that moment, though you are spitting in my face, I love you so much that I would be willing to die for you. How many of you want the glory of Jesus now? How many of you want people spitting in your face? Oh, you must not have understood the question. Because <laughs> I just asked, how many of you want the glory of God? And, and now, how many want people to spit in your face? So let's try it again, beloved. How many of you want people spitting in your face? You don't want people spitting in your face. I was just joking. <laughs> Nobody wants anybody spitting in their face. You got to be on your guard, people, you know. Don't listen to everything the pastor says, you know. Be, study, your, come on, study your word. <laughs> no, we don't want people spitting in our faces, but Jesus was willing. That was the glory of God. 
You see, the world misunderstood the character. God is vindictive. He'll punish you. Make one mistake and he'll do this. You better not cross him. And God says, look, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to put my glory in his face. And this is what I'm going to show you. You can spit on me. You can do all these things. But I still love you and will try to save you to the uttermost. But I will not break your own will. That was the glory of God. And beloved, when that glory becomes our part of our characters, of our faces, we will not be ashamed to go knock on somebody's door for fear that they might spit in our faces. That's why you don't want to witness to somebody. You don't want to be ashamed. You don't want to be ashamed. That's why you don't want to, uh, 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 you know, stand out and be a Daniel because you don't want to be ashamed around your friends. And so, no, we don't have the glory of God, beloved. When the glory of God becomes, uh, comes, begins to shine in our faces, we will not worry about shame. We will go all out for Jesus. It will no longer be about self. It will be all about God. When that glory, beloved, begins to shine in our faces, something powerful is going to happen in this church. That's why the Bible says we hid, as it were, our faces from him. You didn't catch it. We don't want that kind of glory. So we hid, as it were, our faces from him. No, Lord, we don't want to say, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I don't want my, man, that's a shame. Who wants to be like that? Man, you're spitting of God. We've got to get to the place, beloved, where we will be willing to stand in the very same shame that Jesus stood in for us. You want to give your life to Christ? Man, I'm too ashamed to do it. Beloved, are we willing and ready? In fact, do you know that the latter, when 2 Corinthians 7, 13, 14, turn there with me, watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, and we're going to come to our last uh, 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 lesson here, our last, the, the ultimate in deep drilling, the deepest that we can go, you can go no deeper than this, we are about to strike oil tonight. Are you ready to strike oil? Notice what this says here. Uh, then we're going to strike that oil. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Listen to this. Incredible. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Beloved, the latter rain is dependent upon us willing to seek the face of God. Are you ready for that kind of glory? <laughs> God needs us to die. You see, no man can see his face and what? And what? <laughs> no man can see his face and? Amen. Beloved, the secret to dying. Oh, man. <laughs> is to look at his face. God was trying to tell you something good. Listen, no man can see my face and live. So if you really want to die, just look at my face. And self will perish in the glory of that face. And now for the oil. <laughs> Now for the strike. And by the way, you know what our problem is? We are having, you know Adventists are having near-death experiences? You didn't know that, did you? You thought it was some makeup. No, it is real. I know Seventh-day Adventists that are having near-death experiences. Not willing to die, beloved. To be near-dead is to be totally alive. 
You are either dead or alive. God says, I don't want near-death experiences in my church. I want dead. Die to self, which then takes us, beloved, to this final and most critical and crucial point. Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved what? Who? You. How many of you love one another in this room? Oh, my God. How many of you love somebody in this room? Yeah, a good friend. You love somebody. Okay. Uh, That's good. That's a good start. You love somebody in this room. But God says this is the church of God, and we are to love one another. So how many ones do we have in here? It's a one another. So anybody in here a one? Okay, I think we got about four or five hundred ones in here. All right. Anybody else a one? Okay, the other one. All right, about four. We are supposed to love one. That means, you know, you and the, the you, sitting like that, are supposed to love you sitting right there chewing your gum. You are to love one another just like God said I have loved. Now you say, but I don't know him, but God says that doesn't matter because I died for those who were my enemies and I want you to love one another just like I have loved you. And if we can't love one another like that, then the latter rain cannot what? cannot fall. So, how did Jesus love us? Are you ready for this? Jesus loved us so much. In the book of Matthew 27, verse 46, the Bible tells us that Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou what? Forsaken me. Do you know what Jesus was saying when he, what he meant when he said that? What was he feeling? What was he thinking? He was thinking that sin was so great. Let me ask you this question before I continue. How many of you would miss out on heaven for anything? Would miss out on heaven for anything? You know, you just say, you know what? There is something I'd miss out on heaven for. Anyone? Anyone? Okay, listen. Jesus believed that his Uh, taking the sins upon the world of the world upon himself was so great that it would separate him from his father for how long? Forever. Listen, beloved. Jesus was willing to die what death? The second death because he loved us so much. Ooh. Wait a minute, pastor. What are you trying to say? As I have loved you, so love one another. What do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean? Listen, do you remember when Moses was upon the mount talking to his father and Israel was down there and they had broken the law of God and Moses said, God said, I'm going to wipe them out. Do you know what Moses said? Moses loved Israel so much that he said, wait a minute, God, I have a good idea. Why don't you blot me out instead of them? Do you know what the term blot out means? It is always used in connection with the book of life. Do you know what Moses was asking God? Take me out of the book of life. Only spare them. Did God answer that prayer? No, he said, Moses, whosoever sins, him, you know, he'll pay for his own sins. But listen, in Moses, and Moses was not bluffing, in Moses making that request, he was reflecting the very character of Jesus Christ. Moses was willing to be blotted out of heaven to suffer the second death rather than see Israel suffer. Now, how many of you love each other in this room? You see, beloved, God is telling us we need a deeper love. I like to call it a second death love, if that makes sense to you. Because you see, the time is coming, beloved, where we must experience exactly what Jesus experienced as he was on the cross. By the way, Jesus, when he said, I died for my friends, who were his friends? 
Who are his friends? Those who consider themselves his enemies. So now, we are to love our enemies to the point that we would be willing. <laughs> Lord, you know, how do we treat our enemies? Lord, make sure they get their 15 minutes in hell for what they did to me. Make sure that I'm, thank God, thank you for the investigative judgment. Make sure they pay. God says our attitude ought to be, Lord, please, don't blot them out, Lord. Between me and them, Lord, take me. Will God answer that prayer? No. But, beloved, in the sincere, heartfelt cry, God reveals in us the very character of his son. Now listen to me. In the final days, let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me read this statement to you. <laughs> Soon, after they had commenced their earnest cry, talking about the God's people in the last days, the angels in sympathy desired to go to their deliverance, but a tall commanding angel suffered them not. He said, the will of God is not yet fulfilled. They must drink of the cup. They must be baptized with the baptism. They must do what? Drink of the cup, be baptized. What are you talking about? What is baptism? Baptism is a symbol of what? Of death. And so they're being told here, wait a minute, there's a, there's a trial that the people in the last days must go through. They must be baptized with the baptism. They must drink of the cup. What cup? The same cup Jesus drank of. The cup that was presented to him that said, Jesus, it is possible that you may not enter into heaven because of the sins that are upon you. And Jesus, even though that cup was brought before him, he said this, even if. I were to be totally lost forever, I will still be faithful to God. You see, listen, beloved, in the last days, Satan is going to say to God, God, do your people serve you for nothing? They're just serving you because they want to get to heaven. They're just serving you because they want to be saved. They're just serving you because they don't want to go to hell. And so God replies, just like he did Job, God replies, okay, you test them. I'm going to pull back my presence, just like I did with Jesus, and I'm going to show you that my people serve me not for reward or for fear of punishment, but because they love me. And in that time, God's people are going to, just like in the time of Jacob, they're going to think that their sins are so many that there's no way that God could forgive them. They're going to struggle with this. And Satan's going to say, look, you're going to be lost anyway. Why don't you just receive the mark? And they will say, as Job did, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Beloved, this is the final trial that will come upon the people of God. This is why we need to drill so deep. We need a love that is not motivated by reward or fear. Many of us are here tonight because we don't want to be in that lake of fire. We want to get to heaven. Did you know that the devil wants to get to heaven too? A desire to get to heaven is not what saves us. It is being like Jesus. The most important thing to us must be to be like Jesus. And beloved, when that test is given and passed, that's when the people of God see it. I close with this statement. Beautiful. Soon our eyes were drawn to the east. Ha <laughs> ha. For a small black cloud had appeared, about half as large as a man's hand, which we all knew was the sign of the Son of Man. How did they know it was the sign of the Son of Man? They knew it because they had spent time in the cloud. They had drilled and drilled and drilled. Beloved, how many of you want to go deeper tonight?
How many of you want the Spirit of God to lighten your face, to move upon your face tonight? Beloved, let tonight be the start of a new era in your life. Let the glory of God shine upon your face. That his character may be seen in each and every one of us. Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, tonight that you would guide our drilling, that you would take us, Lord, to the depths of your sacrifice. Lord, we need a love that is not motivated by fear or reward, but simply by desiring to be like you. Strengthen us, Father, for the crisis that is to come upon the world. May our lamps be burning bright because they have been filled with your oil. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayer. And in your name we ask these things. Amen.